Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Stocks for beginners. Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of MoneySherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. That's why short sellers get a bad name because they pump the stocks and that is not fair to the investors on both sides of the spectrum right and i have seen that short seller over and over again on the television say that blah 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 stock is a fraud stock goes down his clients cover the money he makes a nice profit that is not what we are about and that is a problem with running your money and having a research firm and calling yourself an active short seller. I am sure the intentions are great, but that is not us. And I have an inkling that that is the reason why short selling is getting a bad rap. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. How can issues with management help uncover companies to avoid? How about unethical legal practices? Joining me today to look at the bad and the ugly and a little of the good on the stock market is Lax Ganapathy. Hello, Lax. Hi, Phil. How are you? Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming on. It's great to have you. Lax Ganapathy is the founder and chief executive officer of Unicus Research, an independent investment platform that combines fundamental analysis with hard-to-find information from atypical sources. So, Lax, let's just start by talking about your career and background. How did you find yourself at this point in your life? Well, I started my career, I never thought I would end up in Wall Street. It's always been a dream for people who are in Ivy League schools as such a kind of a pedigree, you end up in Wall Street. I never thought of it. I finished my bachelor's and master's in India, came here for my master's in 2007. So then I started my MBA and there was a point where I got very, very curious about the market. But always this stocks going up did not make sense to me. You you, you know, you invest in, maybe it's my personality of being a little cynical. Short selling attracted me right away. And I worked at a boutique independent research firm for someone by the name Rob, and he's been in the industry for 20 years. So I learned pretty much everything from him. It's very unfortunate that I couldn't say I learned it from my MBA. There was a huge dislocation or dissonance between what you learn at universities but what's happening in the real world. But I worked with him and whatever I learned, I learned from him. So what I do today is when I started, you look at a company and you question because everybody is talking great things about the company. You question, all right, what is something that is not right? And you start digging. And along with that, the fundamental analysis 
that's how I ended up here. And in 2020, I started my own firm. And so far, we are doing good. So short selling is basically when people are punting that the market is going to go down or a particular company is going to go down rather than going up. And it often has a bit of a negative connotation in investors' people's minds. They, they seem to think that short sellers force prices down. Do you think it, it's, it's all negative, looking at only the negative of companies? No, I think short selling and short sellers are essential for capital markets. They're very essential, especially they are the one in a way keeping the corporations and the management as like by acting as a checks and balances for them. So the management knows that they cannot say whatever they want and get away with it, which is pretty much what they are doing. So no, short selling is not always about negative. There are frauds. It happening around us in the market. It is frustrating. And the way it happens is you have a process going. You have the market is running. It's a free market and it's all is great. When the greed starts to take over, then everything falls upside down. For instance, you know, in 2020, when I started the firm, special purpose acquisition companies are big things, SPACs. Everybody who has like a backer starting a SPAC. The SPAC is nothing but a blank check company, which back in the days was very frowned upon and was equated to fraud. But in 2020, when SPAC started, all the electric vehicle companies started. ESG started. So all of a sudden, Larry Finks of the world wanted to say, hey, I want to save the world. You know, everybody is polluting and ESG is the next best thing. If you invest your money, it's green. And investors do invest. You know, investors are smart. Retail investors and institutional investors, they are not dumb Phil, they were smart. But even smart people have the tendency to get carried away when you say, hey, here's a good thing. And if I ask you, Phil, Phil, I'm starting a SPAC, you know, it's ESG. Are you going to invest? You will think twice because if you say no, then are you against environment? You know, so those kind of emotional, moral manipulation was going on. So in that sense, short selling is actually pretty good. So we recommended our investors who are institutionals mostly, and some of them are family offices or people, investors managing their own money. So they wanted to know, hey, Lux, can I invest in this company? So for instance, we canoe. Canoe came up with the new model. I don't know if you know it. It's like a box car and you can change the top anytime you want. And it initially started with a subscription model and became public via SPAC. Uh, stock was trading at 35 something. And I started digging into the entire EV sector. First of all, it's not green. As much as you would like to think when you are driving an EV, there is a high chance it's more fashion-oriented than green. You're not adding any value to the environment. Because if you see, we studied the entire upstream, midstream, and the downstream process of EV, and none of them are green, so. 
So the electricity you're charging your car is not green. If you want it to go green, you have to revamp the entire electricity and the infrastructure worldwide. Very cost intensive. The batteries that go in the EVs, not green. So short sellers like us, we are pretty much calling out the management. We do not speak to the current management. We spoke to the previous employees. We even hired a battery systems engineer in 2020. He had the experience working with QuantumScape. He had the experience working with BMW. So this gentleman worked on the battery management system. So it's very complicated and full, obviously, you know, if you want to follow up or it will take a lot of time to go deep digging into this. But in a nutshell, 40% of your EV battery goes against the cost. So for you, for any company, GM lost billions of dollars. Ford lost billions of dollars. Tesla, we consider Tesla as a cult stock. We don't even know what's going on in their accounting. But the point being, to scale an EV into a mass production is very, very cost intensive. So short sellers, to answer your question, are very, very essential for, especially in this kind of environment. So no, we are not all bad. We are actually, I would like to consider good. (laughs) And it's also about price discovery, because you've got to look at both sides of the story, the good side and the bad side of the story as well. That'd be the case, wouldn't it? Uh, Yes. The good side is we want environmental friendly transportation. We want a change to happen at the core. You could say there are some manufacturers with good intent at their heart, but sadly, if you see all the dead corporations, so to speak, kind of went from $35 to 50 cents today. Fisker got two chief accounting officers. They both left the company. There are so many frauds going on, but yes, everything starts with a good intention, but the company so far we have explored. Having said that, as you said, there is not all bad. Rivian, on the other hand, we haven't published a short report on Rivian. That is one company we have faith in. We did not publish a long report, but Rivian is something worth looking into because it has, Amazon has at least 10%. Last time I checked on Rivian, I actually went into a Rivian Amazon truck. It was pretty cool. It's very efficient, right? And you can see, as we spoke with the drivers, uh, have you been in one of those cars, Phil? No, we don't have them in Australia. No. Oh, you don't? No, no. (laughs) It's actually pretty cool. You don't have the regular rusty things you see in a van. It's smooth. It has a lot of space. And delivery guys are sharing with us that all they have to do is charge overnight and they are good to go all day. And it carries a lot of cargo, you know, in a small space. So Rivian is very interesting. Yes, they do lose money, but they have future. So when I was looking at the blurb on your website, Lex, you say that you want to redefine how asset managers and investors consume research. Is this because you're trying to provide a bit of a reality check? Is that what you're trying to do? 
Yes, that's a very nice way to put it. So thank you. I have respect for everybody who who are in this industry. It's a very small industry, and no one can be smarter than the market. The market always will put you in your place, whether you're on the long side or short side. So being humble, if one is not humble, market will teach you it. Having said that, we are focusing on how the research is consumed. I'll tell you why. When I worked with my mentor, we catered the who's who of Wall Street. All the big names you hear, we catered them. There is a kind of dissonance you go into. That's why we tell our clients, we accept clients anywhere between a billion dollar or less. Anything more than five or six billion dollars, I don't want to touch it. The reason being, you have politics inside the firm. You have people get so attached and emotional towards the stock. They get mad. They get angry. So you move away from fundamentals. You move away from making money, return on investment on the downside, and things get personal. So where we are standing is none of our team, we do not take position on the ideas we recommend. We do not trade on our ideas. And it gives us, for lack of better words, freedom to take a look at an idea objectively and without that emotion attached to it. For instance, one of our team member, Rob MacArthur, we semi-manage a book for one of our clients. Over the past two weeks, the market rallied for no reason. There is no rationality behind a market rally. So when the market rallied, we pretty much asked our clients to shave off position, take some out, close the position completely, not because our conviction level on our short idea is low. It's because, hey, our research is right. Our conviction is high. That doesn't mean you need to get killed in the market. You do not fight the market. Yeah, you can't, you can't fight you can't fight momentum, can you? And there's no reason often, like you say, there's no reason behind momentum. No, no reason behind the momentum. One of the stocks uh, we were recommending Solar Edge and Enphase as a shot. We spoke with as a part of the deep dive. We created a relationship with nearly thousands of installers over a platform, and we did surveys. And for instance, SolarEdge was 322, fourth quarter 2022. We recommended it as a shot. It was in February 2023. The reason we waited two months is because at that point, SolarEdge was, I think, almost close to its 52-week high. We do not recommend short ideas at a 52-week high. It's the worst entry point. So we, in Feb, we recommended Solar Edge as a shot. It nice and easy. It went down all the way to $70, right? 80% profit on the downside. We asked all our clients to take the money off. We mentioned to our clients, we are determined that this stock is going to go way further down. However, we are not fighting the momentum. So all the value investors at this point, we'll be like, hey, this is so cheap, I want to get in. And you have, you're fighting the value investors, you'll be fighting the black boxes. So better to take your bounty, go sit aside, 
wait for everybody to clear, and then you can get back in at the whatever the highest price at that point is. So do not fight the momentum. So you say that you use fundamental analysis to help identify company problems. Now, this yes. is fundamental analysis is using data that's publicly available to anyone who's interested in researching a company. What is it that you particularly focus on to look at finding certain problems? There is a direct way and an indirect way to answer the question. So when we identify a company, for instance, SolarEdge, right? The fundamental immediately does not tell us the story. That's because everybody talks a great thing because, you know, they are flushed with cash. You know, the debt is low. Operating income is great. Then you think what we do is we go to the people who directly deal with that company's product. In Solar Edge, it's the installers, it's the electricians. So we do our primary research first and gather as much information as we can. And then we will go to the fundamental analysis and question what this number means in the light of the primary research we got. So that gives us a whole new way to look at the fundamentals. But if we look at the fundamentals, Right now, for a company, that doesn't say anything because it looks all peachy. So that's where we differ. So you're using atypical sources, as we mentioned in the introduction, to find out information on the company. What are some more examples of atypical sources that uh, not other investors are not looking at? So one is you always find a forum, right? Everybody has a forum, whether it's Reddit or any other social media, you go to a forum, you find a specific people, group of people, and you go in and you're just awesome. And you would be surprised how candid they will share the information. The second is in 2015, when we were recommending in my previous company, Sam Adams, Boston Beer Company. It was in America's sweetheart. Everybody likes beer. So we got a lot of pushback. We were told you are shorting an American brand. You know, people get so emotionally attached. So we found out a series of email addresses of the breweries nationwide, and we did a good old survey. We sent out at least 500 surveys. We got roughly 5% response rate. And we created a dialogue with each and every one of them. We realized in 2015, 2016, where craft brewers are taking up the market share and consumers have no loyalty and they like the crispness of the beer. And Sam Adams, it it didn't cut it. Consumers are not attracted to the brand. So the stock was at 233, roughly. It was trading pretty good. And we recommended it at that point. We validated our thesis with our primary research and our survey. The stock was at 233 and it went all the way to 130 something. We wrote a cover. That was a decent chunk of profit to our clients. So that is a several reasons. So you look for, you talk to people, you know, the good old research. That's what we do. And that is our key differentiation. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you looking for unbiased, in-depth market insights? Deep Knowledge Investing is dedicated to providing conflict-free, well-researched stock ideas. Gary Broad is a 30-year Wall Street hedge fund veteran. Turn to the good side. He's dedicated to providing you with independent and timely market commentary. Deep Knowledge Investing is supported by a large, successful and highly engaged board of advisors who provide expert advice and insights in a variety of fields and industries. Gary appears regularly on this podcast so you can check out his insights for yourself and see if he's the right guy for you. Receive 50% off a Deep Knowledge Investing subscription by using the promo code STOCKSFORBEGINNERS50, that's five zero. By using this promo code, you can subscribe for six months for only $100 or check it out for a month for only $25. That's deepknowledgeinvesting.com and use the promo code STOCKSFORBEGINNERS50. By using this code, you'll be helping to support this podcast. Deep Knowledge Investing, helping you to beat the market. And you talk about people becoming wedded to ideas and becoming very emotional because they do like a particular company. And often short sellers are seen as being the ones that are, you know, they're forcing the price down. But as you say, you're only looking at the, you're just trying to find the reality of the situation, aren't you? Phil, you have a nice way of asking deep questions with the very innocent Okay, so what you're pretty much asking is... With a big cheese-eating grin. (laughs) There you go. What you're really asking is, aren't the short sellers the real culprit? So I'm going to answer this as politically correct as possible, only because Wall Street is such a small, small world. And I like to stay out of inside the world, but not in cahoots with anyone. I call myself a short seller. I do not call myself as an activist short seller, and there is a reason for it. So we will find companies that are not performing at its fullest, companies that are, you know, bad actors, so to speak, find them, validate them with our thesis, confirm it, make sure our institutional clients and family offices don't have any blind spots, make money for our clients, end of story. We do not speak about our current ideas on Twitter. We do not go and say the manager is like and call four letter words. We don't do that. And that's where activist short sellers, some of them, are having a bad reputation. Early in my career, I encountered a short seller who I might not name. Uh, he called me and he said, well, I like, I was shorting, we were recommending an ultra low cost carrier with a corrupt management. I was sending out emails to Department of Transportation and all of those. We didn't advertise it. So there, I got a call from this gentleman and he organized a meeting. So I went there and he was with his lawyer. No, not a fancy office. He has some media presence, shall we say. 
And he said, I want to buy your idea. I said, I'm not selling my idea. And this is where, Phil, short sellers are getting a very bad reputation. And I told him, with all due respect, I'm not selling idea. He goes, I will pay you $100,000 for this idea. And you can use it. And I'm going to go on television, CNBC, MSNBC, and I'm going to say, this is my idea. My company came up with it. And the stock will go down, right? And my clients will make money. And I will cover the idea, cover the shot. But once you sell the idea to me, it doesn't belong to you. You can't give it to your clients. I said, I want this meeting to be over right now. And I am not going to give you my idea. This is not my style. All I could think of was, oh, my God, it's a pump and dump, right? And that's why short sellers get a bad name, because they pump the stocks. And that is not fair to the investors on both sides of the spectrum, right? And I have seen that short seller over and over again on the television say that blah, 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 stock is a fraud. Stock goes down, his clients cover the money, he makes a nice profit. That is not what we are about. And that is a problem with running your money and having a research firm and calling yourself an active short seller. I am sure the intentions are great, but that is not us. And I have an inkling that that is the reason why short selling is getting a bad rap. It's annoying, Phil, actually, because you do all the hard work and it's like a couple of guys do a bad thing and the entire generation gets blamed for it. And that's how short sellers feel. And the other side of it really is is that people want to be apprised of these poor investment theses and not because they want to make money from shorting it, but just even just to avoid a particular company. Wouldn't that be the case? Yes. And that's what I tell to institutional investors and retail investors, right? That even if you're not shorting it, at least know the companies that you need to stay away from because you don't you don't want to get a burn. And short selling is very, very risky. And you do not listen to any and every short sellers. Do not listen to short ideas that you come across on Twitter or X or whatever it is. Do not listen to short ideas or any kind of investment ideas, especially short ideas on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or whatever it is. Short selling is very hard. It involves a lot and lot and hours and hours of research by experts. And it also takes someone to clearly take a step back, say, if I were to do months and months of research on a company, and at, at some point, the technical is against us, doesn't matter if my thesis is right. A company might very well be a fraud. Tesla is a classic example. A com- Tesla might very well be a fraud. But are you going to go bankrupt by proving that Tesla is a fraud? Probably not. Right? So, I see a lot of tickers saying Tesla Q or, you know, blah, 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 Q. That's one of the examples of emotionally getting attached to the stock. Probably you will be right five to 10 years from now, but how much money you're going to lose on the short side to prove that you're right? Because the downside risk is unlimited, Phil. 
What's Tesla Q mean? Is that some sort of internet talk that I'm not aware of? (laughs) No, no. Tesla, whenever you put a ticker symbol and put Q means that insinuates the company is expected to go bankrupt. Oh, okay. That's a little bit of code there. Yeah. So people are, you know, when they are finding something or the stock goes down for once in a lifetime, they go, oh, Tesla Q, you know, this is how it's going to end. But institutional investors as well as retail investors have lost a lot of money on all of these ideas by getting too close to emotionally when they're investing. You mentioned that ESG is another area where people get very emotional about because people want to be doing the right thing. And I was reading an article that was really interesting. We'll put a link to that article, if that's okay with you, sure, to the, sure. the blog post, is that ESG is a good deed with an incentive to scam. Tell us about that. <laughs> Listen, environmental and Milton, uh, is it Milton Friedman? Yes. So you- Yes, I saw the, I saw the Milton Friedman <laughs> quote as well. <laughs> What's you, it? The duty, the duty of a company is- <laughs> To make profit. It's it's to make profit. You know, sometimes you say things out loud and it will come across ugly and it makes you feel like E, but that's the reality. For instance, Target. Target wants to relate to the LGBTQ community and how they reach out. You know, you can think a lot of things, but before when you act on it, you have to think that you can divide your customer base 50-50. As a company, if you take a stand, you're going to lose 50% of your revenue right off the bat. So, for instance, I do not take political stand and I refuse my employees to take political stand on any social media because I will eliminate 50% of my revenue stream. This is to be completely blunt. Everybody has bills to pay and your opinions will impact your bottom line. And that's where I think researched ESG is a scam. Larry Fink is annoyingly led this ESG and now he just ditched it. And I don't even want it to, I haven't researched it in a while, but I'm happy to do so to see how much money investors lost on the ESG. If you also look at ESG in 2021, 2022, if you look at, I will also share with you a link that I posted, the top ETFs on ESG, Vanguard and BlackRock, if you see the first five companies are not ESG, none of their products are not ESG. And if you take Apple, is not ESG. ESG means your entire supply chain pipeline needs to be kosher. You cannot use slave labor. You have to pay the minimum living wage. So none of this amounts to any of the companies that we have currently. So that's why I said ESG is a scam. It's done to make, attract more capital. Hedge funds, corporations, use that buzzword to attract more capital. They successfully did. Tax benefits, especially in the United States. So those are the reasons. Electric vehicle, tax subsidies, those are the reasons. And if you remove all of this, I don't think, Phil, consumers will be 
giving two cents whether they want to be environmentally friendly. So it's, it's a also, Yeah, it's also the marketing exercise. So many ETFs, they troll through social media to see what buzzwords are trending. And then yeah. they'll design an ETF based on that. And ESG seems to be the one of the biggest examples of this. And as you've pointed out, you might feel good about what you're doing, but it's not actually achieving the aims that you've got in mind as an investor. Yeah, for an investor, it's as ugly as it sounds when we say it. All that matters is a return on investment. They might not say it out loud. They travel in the jet planes to whatever the meeting spot and have a ESG meeting. And you have the protesters, climate protesters, wearing a jacket that's made out of non-ESG products. So I would say it's such a blind following. Investors, as much as everybody would like to think they are smart, which they are, But when it comes to anything emotional, they get carried away. And ESG definitely was one of them. Yeah, I think the hippies of the 70s and the 60s had more credibility in the ESG space by basically going and setting up their own communes, growing their own food, making their own clothes. And I mean, that's the kind of level that you need to work at to become completely ESG compliant, really. You're absolutely right, Phil, and you said it correctly. 1960s, 70s hippies are more ESG than Larry Fink at BlackRock or anybody else. That stands to reason, let's face it, (laughs) because Larry Fink has never been a hippie, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. So we have an abundance of geopolitical forces at the moment, and we're recording on the 21st of November. What effect that having on certain stocks? And are you seeing any moves here that help you to highlight a short thesis? Geopolitical forces is something we consider. And whenever we consider that, we think about China. That is a huge topic. Unica's research has always been advocating not to invest in any Chinese company or Chinese investment products. And even, even, the, even the ones listed on the US stock market? No. The reason is, and I will also share some of them with you, and the reason being, right, you cannot, whether it's Australia, whether it's Europe, whether it's United States, any democratic nation that believes in free market cannot do business with authoritarian regimes. End of story. Every country in the world has some kind of corruption. But at least in a democratic free market economy, you have some kind of regulation, some kind of transparency, some kind of accountability. And doing business with the authoritarian regimes, for instance, China, they are not transparent. Their numbers cannot be trusted. None of us will be allowed freely into their country to do our own due diligence. However, they expect us to comply because we are democratic and we are free economy. It's, and have, it's a leg- not- have a legal system in place as well. Exactly. Thank you. And, and it's not political. It's not taking like, you know, they are bad, we are good. It's just uh, think about it. How could you honestly do a business with authoritarian regimes? You have no insight to where the money goes, what things are done, what are the due diligence, You have no transparency. So we advise our investors 
to stay away from investing in Chinese companies and the products or the investments in China. So this is more than just a short idea, isn't it? This is more of the, the idea of what companies to stay away from that the, the research throws up. Yes, it's both. One, most of the publicly traded Chinese companies registered in the U.S. will be registered via ADR. So I, I don't know exactly the ins and outs of shorting an ADR. A second, yes, those are the companies to stay away from. And those are the platforms to stay away from. TikTok is something that we recommended not to take any advice, especially investment advice. We were a strong proponent of banning TikTok in the United States. There is another Timu, I believe. It's like PDD Holdings, a Chinese e-commerce company. I believe the ticker I said is right, PDD Holdings. Timu gets into the advertisement of every single medium, social media platform where it lures the consumers to giving the information and get the products for cheaper prices. And people have lost a lot of money and lost their credit by using those platforms. When it comes to geopolitics, we advise the clients to stay away from. And when the Russian-Ukraine war started, we, one of our senior analysts started writing a piece on geopolitical tensions about what will happen. And those are the things we continuously monitor. What we do is there is a lot of moving parts macroeconomically. And keeping tab on the housing, keeping tab on the feds, format notes and keeping tab on Yellen's trip to so-and-so. It's a lot of work. And what we focus on is the things that are not said in the media. And that's the information we look for because by the time the information that we know comes to the media, it's already too late. The automotive sector is a classic example We are deep into the automotive dealership sectors. We speak to a lot of dealerships. So the Mannheim and Cox automotive datas, they are incongruent with the reality. So everything affects the market. And it's hard for us to constantly monitor it, but we are trying our best. I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) More than amply. (laughs) Thank you. It's hard in the market to make money as a bull as well as as a bear. And as you know, Jim Chanos quit the hedge fund. He shuttered his fund and his statement was the market is irrational. And he, I believe, recommended he was shorting Tesla at some point. And I shook one of her clients out of Tesla's short position. You cannot touch that stock. If anybody is listening to this podcast, if you short Tesla, please do not do that. It, it is, it's not worth the risk. The risk and reward, is, it, it's not worth it. I know fund managers personally who lost a lot of investors pulling out of their funds because they are so emotionally attached to their thesis. I know one fund manager said, I don't care if the outside investors take their money out. I know this company is a fraud and this company will go down. The company did not go down. 
it's it's very very hard. There is no right or wrong answers to short selling. It's just that a constant due diligence, doing the primary research, checking your sources, rechecking your sources to make sure you got everything right, so your clients won't lose the money. Okay, so Unicus Research, tell us about the company, how listeners can find out more, and especially about your Monday morning reality check newsletter, which you provide for free. Yes, I do. We do that. Unicusresearch.com, U-N-I-C-U-S research.com. What we do is provide very deep dive, short only, independent research. We also provide a la carte meaning we can customize it. Right now, have institutional investors as client and also some individual investors who are aware of short selling but need a little bit more help. So if you're interested, feel free to reach out to us. You know, we have a contact us page on our website. You can reach out to us. Effective next year, there might be increase in the subscription fees. But anybody who signs up between now and end of the year, we are offering a feature of grandfathering in. So you're welcome to try it out. Lax. It's been a bracing episode of a reality check. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Phil. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Stocks for Beginners. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.